So you've started your business and you have the odd thing to conquer. You've got to build the website, do the sales, do the marketing, deliver the product and 17 other jobs before Tuesday. How do you get it all done? Because it's just you. There is more to do than could ever be done. And that is the conundrum of the entrepreneur. Welcome to the Rebel Business School. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur. So I've been really looking forward to this episode because getting things done, making things happen, being efficient, I think is one of those things that an entrepreneur faces on a daily basis. How do I crack on with what really needs doing? And I'm super excited to have today's guest with me, which is Tan Tham. And he's here from Asian Efficiency to talk to us about how do we survive as an entrepreneur building a business? And I'm particularly excited because you've built your own business, so you know what we're going through. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, Alan, thank you for for having me. And uh, as someone who is an entrepreneur myself and also has helped over 15,000 people over the last 10 years uh, help become more productive at work, and a life ranging from managers to CEOs to founders to uh, team leaders. Uh, there's a lot to productivity, but uh, there's a lot of ways we can simplify it. So I'm happy to dive in here today and uh, help everyone that's listening here. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming to hang out with us. And I guess my first thought is, is there actually a difference between the manager at work and the entrepreneur at home, in the bedroom, who knows where the entrepreneur's hiding, but they, they could be anywhere nowadays. Is there really a difference between the productivity needs, between the way we tackle things, or are we all just humans that need the same thing? We're all humans that need the same thing, just like you and I need to breathe air and eat food. Uh, if we want to be more productive, there are certain things that we all have to do. And then once we kind of get the 80-20 figured out, there's some nuance between being, for example, a CEO, you have to focus on different things. And you have to be maybe a little bit more skilled in certain areas, especially when it comes to managing resources versus someone who maybe is not in that position. Let's say you're a team member or you're an employee somewhere. You probably have other responsibilities and things that you have to focus on. Uh, but there's a certain number of things that are fundamental to everything. And one of the things that we teach here at AE is called the T framework and stands for time, energy, and attention. So these are like the three pillars of productivity. If you want to be more productive at work, you have to manage your time, you have to manage your energy, and you have to manage your attention. When we have all three currencies maximized, then you are productive. And whether you are an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, you manage a big team, maybe you're a team member, everyone needs to be able to manage their time, energy, and attention. And if one of them is lacking, oftentimes it uh, results in certain symptoms. So for example, if you don't have time, you oftentimes feel overwhelmed. If you don't have energy, you oftentimes feel uh, exhausted. 
if you don't have the attention piece, oftentimes you feel you get easily distracted. So we want to maximize all three. And most people that come to us usually come to us first because they lack time. And once they have the time to do the things they have to do, the next piece is oftentimes energy because most people, if they want to grow and grow their business and, and, uh, level up in life, it requires energy to do that. And if we don't have it because we're not sleeping well or we're not eating right or we're just like draining in tasks that we don't particularly enjoy, it's it's difficult to get ahead. And especially as an entrepreneur, you have to get very clear about what you do and what you don't do because we all have the same amount of hours in a day. So we have to be very mindful about how we make time for the things that matter to us. It's not something that you're just going to randomly find things to do uh, (laughs) and that you hope that will happen. We have to make time for it and also focus our uh, energy and attention to do so. Yeah, because it's quite interesting as an entrepreneur, well, it's actually most people there's more incoming stuff than you could ever deal with like random emails and bills to pay and things to happen and uh you you could lose your attention on the minutiae without ever actually getting to the important stuff um i love the framework time energy and attention absolutely love the framework i think it's so important where do you think the biggest challenge is for people like on average, where do people fall down? Or is it really as simple as like, we all have deficit in all three, we just need to work on them? I would say most people that want to be more productive oftentimes lack the time. Uh, They'll say stuff like, oh, I wish there were more hours in a day, or I wish I had more time, or I have to work on the weekends to get stuff done. And it's Mm. oftentimes just poor management of how they prioritize stuff. uh, Because Time management is kind of a misnomer in the sense that time goes by whether we do something or not. However, what we can prioritize and influence is what we do and how we show up and what we actually prioritize and focus on. And so as an entrepreneur, especially when you're starting out, you have to do everything. Just like you said in your intro, there's so many things (laughs) we have to do before Tuesday, right? How do we focus and prioritize what matters most? And as an entrepreneur or someone who's starting businesses, you have to know what's the number one priority for me. If you don't know what that is, that's the first thing you want to figure out. Nothing else matters because if you don't know what matters most, you end up doing things that waste your time, that don't line up with your goals or with your values. You're doing busy work. And you might be quote unquote productive because you check a lot of boxes. But if you've ever had that feeling towards the end of the day, you go, oh my gosh, like I got so much done. But when you look at your list, nothing actually got progressed towards the number one goal of growing your business. (laughs) Were you really productive that day? Yes, I completely agree. Some days I've spent four hours answering emails and doing stuff and yet I just have this feeling afterwards of what difference how much progress have I made and then other days where I've started with the like key task and I've nailed it in a couple of hours I'm like I feel so good by 10 a.m I've destroyed the day and I feel fabulous um so you're saying that most people lack time we can't get more time So it's focusing the time on the most important things, which kind of feels like that's part-time, part-attention. Is that correct? Yeah. So another way to think about this is sometimes I like to call it or refer to as self-management because 
if you've uh, ever been in a situation where you knew what you needed to do and you had the time to do it, but you didn't do it, was it a time problem? No. <laughs> I remember one day I had to That's do my never taxes happened. on this. <laughs> right. I remember one time I had to do my taxes and I set aside like four hours on the oh, Sunday no. to do it. And so as everyone enjoys doing their taxes, like I do, <laughs> not, um, I was like, okay, let me do this. I have the time. I have a checklist. I know exactly what I needed to do. But by the end of the day, I still didn't end up doing it. And it wasn't because I lacked the time. It was because I just didn't simply do it. So it wasn't me uh, blaming the time management thing here. It was just, or poor management of time. It was me blaming myself. And so what I learned from that is a big part of productivity is how do we manage ourselves to do the things that we have to do? And so part of that is knowing what matters and also understanding the consequences if things don't get done. Um, because once we understand that and we understand the priority of it, then we're more likely to follow through, right? regardless how much time it takes, right? So another way of saying that is if something is important enough to you, you will do it. If you have to pick up your kids at three uh, to pick them up from school, and right now there's no way of doing it, you will find a way to make it happen because it's that important to you. And that matters and applies to everything that we do. And so as an entrepreneur, we have to figure out what really matters to us. What's the most important thing? Answering emails for four hours, it's probably not that important compared to other things you might have to do to push your business forward or to pay your bills or whatever else uh, matters. Well, you brought up some childhood memories from me being left at school when my dad forgot to pick me up because he was focused on his business. Um, <laughs> and I know what his priority was. But anyway, moving past that, if I was to grossly generalize for everyone listening to this, what their number one priority was starting a business, I would say it's sales. No one thinks it is. Everyone thinks they have to get the website done first. They have to get the marketing done first. Their product must be perfect. But actually, sales, sales. You don't have a business unless you sell something. Um, but it's also the thing no one can get done, which I think is what you've kind of just highlighted. It's not always the most popular task. And I was literally just doing an episode of the coaching series with a lady that she needs to sell. She has to sell for her business to grow, but she doesn't want to because she thinks sales is evil. It's forcing things on people. She put, She was very open and honest. So she just puts it off. But there's going to come a stage in her business where she has no money and she'll have to sell, which I guess is the 3 p.m. pick the kids up deadline unless you're my dad. So my question is... How do we get ourselves to do the thing that we know we should do deep within our hearts, but convince ourselves isn't as important as making the website look pretty? Ooh, that's a very deep question. Um, because... <laughs> I never said it was going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when you shared that story with me, the first thing that came to my mind, uh, because I've, I've had a lot of coaching myself, and one of the things I've discovered is a lot of problems we have in our business, especially when a business is relatively small, let's just call it, let's say under uh, a few million dollars uh, a year in revenue. Most mm -hmm. problems in business are a reflection of the founder. And so, for example, if the business is not growing revenue, it's oftentimes not because 
the systems aren't in place or the product is terrible or anything like that is that the founder really put in the time and effort to sell. And all the problems that show up in business are oftentimes a reflection of the founder. And so whatever ceiling your business is having right now, it's probably a, re a reflection of you. And so if this lady had trouble selling and she's complaining about not having a business that's growing and thriving, well, why is that? Is that because she has some sort of challenges or limiting beliefs around selling? Uh, if that is the case, as a productivity and performance coach, there's very little I can do and say, hey, you need to have a morning routine and you need to sleep well. You have to do X, Y, and Z, manage your time better. That might all be great in, in certain contexts. But if her number one priority is to have a growing and thriving business, uh, then we both know that selling is a big part of that. And if that's not her number one task or maybe she doesn't enjoy it, maybe she has to reevaluate re and say, do I really want to be in business? Uh, or would I rather be better off as a, as a maybe a senior executive somewhere where I don't have to focus on selling and I can do other things that I particularly enjoy? And so there are some tough questions that one has to ask themselves. But if you're in a situation where you constantly feel like you're not doing things that have to be done, then you're probably not in the right situation. Uh, so maybe you have to reevaluate, is this the right place? Whether it's running your own business or managing a team or other things that need to be done. It's interesting because the question I started to ask was you've kind of got two choices. Choice number one is find somewhere else or choice number two, let's work on the beliefs and the identity and the limiting beliefs and all those bits. And one of the things you said was about the reflection of you, whatever ceiling you are facing right now is a reflection of you. I love that. I absolutely love that. And it makes me go in my head going, oh, where am I stuck? What, what, what is reflecting about me? And I think like the fascinating thing about founders and business people is we try and change everything out there instead of us. And quite often it's us that has to change for the reflection to change. And I love that word, the reflection, because it's almost like the results of your business are a direct reflection of you as a human being. But that's a tough pill to swallow. Have you have you ever helped someone? Like, does this ever come up, though, those elements of, you know, there's no point me turbocharging your time, your energy, and your attention, and your productivity tools, because we've got to work on this before. Does that ever come up in your, your work, your coaching, what you do? Oh, this comes up all the time. Um, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> it's uh, It's kind of like when you're a personal trainer. Like people come in thinking that they're going to work with a personal trainer to get fit and healthy and, and all these things. And as a personal trainer, that's also what you hope trying to accomplish. But you talk to enough personal trainers, you start to realize most of them function in half the time as a personal trainer and half the time as therapists for other people because people are always talking about what's going on <laughs> at work and in life and they have to help them and listen to them and other things they have to do, right? Like nutritional advice and sleep and, and other things. And so you kind of come in thinking, I'm going to help you with this, but there's actually all this other stuff that happens that comes with it. And that's something I had to discover too, is I came in saying, hey, I want to help people become more productive at work and in life. And that's my number one thing. However, when people come to me, we, yes, we talk about that stuff and I kind of, I kind of quote unquote, get them in that way. But as someone who helps people and coaches them, um, I also have to function partly as a quote unquote therapist. And I'm sure you've seen that yourself as well, where you have to listen to them. And oftentimes the challenges that they're having is not 
really fixed or addressed through some of the tactics that I mentioned, like time, energy, and intention, how we fix those things. Yes, they can kind of help in some shape or form. Uh, but most of the breakthroughs that most people have is because we change their perspective of how they see things. So with that lady, for example, if we change her perspective around selling, how it's maybe not evil or how we can maybe turn it around and say, hey, how can we help all these people that you know need it, especially the gift that you have, uh, instead of selling it and, and maybe uh, feeling like we're, quote unquote, selling snake oil or something. Um, what if we reframe it and say, hey, you have a gift to give to the world and whoever wants it, let's make sure we communicate with them, right? That's a different way of looking at it. And so once we make that breakthrough, then applying the tactics and the strategies to help them become more productive is, is kind of like adding a fuel to a fire. I love that. You, The start of every sales workshop I run, I play the, the word association game. You know, the game where I say a word and then everyone replies the first thing on their head. And I just stand in front of everyone and go, salesman, what do you think comes back at me, Dan? Oh, they're terrible. They're evil. They're liars. They scam you. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure if you say something like money, there's a lot of interesting responses to come to that Oof. as well, I'm sure. Oh, there's some incredible responses that come to that one. And you go, well, we've got to shake all of these beliefs and this mindset before we even get on to like, how do you make a sales call? How do you get past the gatekeeper? How do you close? Like, knowing that stuff's kind of irrelevant if you're never going to make a sales call because you think sales is evil or in terms of money and investing, if you're never going to save money if you think that money is the root of all evil or some other fabulous expression that was handed down to us by society that affects our thinking and our, our results. So... In general, what do you think are the top things that block people from making progress before we even get to the framework and the tools? Do you do you have a sense of, is there a themes that come out? Is there a top list? What kind of things block people from even getting to the tools? I think the number one thing is uh, people oftentimes are their own worst enemy. And so <laughs> what I mean with that is maybe in their head, they know that this is good for them, but somehow something is stopping them from taking action, whether it is seeking out resources, whether it is uh, admitting that this is a problem. Uh, oftentimes that's the biggest barrier, but once they understand that this is a challenge or maybe this is something that they really need to improve upon and they kind of accepted that, then oftentimes seeking out the tools uh, will be really helpful. And so me as an entrepreneur, oftentimes when I give uh, interviews or I'm uh, appearing on other people's podcasts like I'm doing today, or I give keynotes and give talks at conferences. The number one thing that I'm always trying to do is, you know, how do we let people know that if they have a challenge or that they have something that's missing, uh, maybe a void, that there uh, are solutions to that and that it's okay to seek out those things and hopefully inspire them to take action. And so that's part of my role is to, to push people forward in that sense. Uh, because there are resources out there. There are plenty of them. Uh, but the first step people have to make is just knowing that, one, it's there, but also to to accept that, hey, this is something that I could really use help with. I love that. So I'm going to set a little bit of homework for everyone before we move on to what the tools and the tips and the tricks and the, the, the framework is. And I think I love what you just said. Whatever ceiling you are facing right now is a reflection of you. So for everyone listening to this, 
where are you butting your head against the ceiling? And have a little think, how is this a reflection of me? Because that's going to uncover the area, the thought, the belief that helps us to break through it. If we never think about it, if we just keep butting up against it, we're probably going to spend the rest of our days butting up against it, uh, maybe in a more efficient route after this, but we'll still be butting up against it. Um, so that's, I think, one of the key pieces of homework. The second piece of homework I'd love to give everyone is like, what's the number one thing you need to get done? And if you're listening to this, is it sales? Is it delivery? Is it building a team? Like, what? what's the one thing that if you did that, that would catapult your business? And it's not to mean you spend all your time every day doing it. It's just to mean if you know your clear priority is this. And for me at the moment, I'm writing a book. Um, my number one priority is get the three chapters on my blog for feedback. That's it. If I can do that, then I'll figure out what the next step is afterwards. Um, so those are my questions for everyone listening to this. Do you have anything uh, to add to that that you'd want people to do before we get into the next phase? Yeah, I love that. Uh, one thing I always uh, tell my coaching clients to do uh, in a similar vein is uh, I would actually block off 30 minutes every week on your calendar to think about what are the biggest challenges that you have right now in your business. Uh, because this is a concept I learned from a mentor of mine, Keith Cunningham, uh, he calls it thinking time. And as entrepreneurs, oftentimes we're so busy doing the work that we never zoom out and look at the bigger picture. And as entrepreneurs, we have to zoom out and look at, are we doing the right things right now? Or are we being effective? Uh, if not, what do we have to change so that we get the results that we're looking for? And oftentimes it requires us to kind of step away from our business and not just do, 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 do all the time, but also just step out and say, hey, uh, am I actually on the right path? Am I climbing the right ladder or am I off? Am I climbing the wrong ladder? And so if you spend 30 minutes just thinking about, you can literally just grab a piece of pen or a piece of paper and a pen and just think about, okay, what's my number one challenge right now in my business? You'll start to notice sometimes it's the same thing every week, but a lot of times they start to change. And guess what? Now you have an opportunity to address that. And anytime you remove a roadblock, you're getting one step closer to where you want to go. And so another way I like to think about it is uh, you're just literally tackling roadblocks every single week. And just doing that alone will bring you a step closer every week to your goal. Uh, you don't have to have a grandiose plan. Just tackling obstacles every single week is a great way of getting there as well. I love that. Yes, because... <laughs> I love to say that uh, life is a series of problems and challenges, occasionally interspersed with the crises. Just to, you know, mix things up, life is problem, 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 crisis! <laughs> and then you go back to having problems. Uh, and there's only one group of people in the world without problems, and they live in the graveyard. They're dead. Problems are a sign of life. So if you've got some, let's start tackling them. It's a good sign your heart is beating. Uh, that's fantastic advice. Block off half an hour in your calendar to start thinking. So we've started to work out what our biggest challenge is. We've started to focus on that. Where do we go from here? How do we actually make sure this thing, this roadblock gets tackled, this thing gets done? Like, how do we actually drive this forwards? I think one thing that uh, I've seen people found very helpful and effective is... If you want to avoid this whole feeling 
uh, this experience of I'm doing so much work and by the end of the day, you feel like nothing got checked off or nothing got done or you didn't make any progress. The way to win the day actually starts way before you actually start working. So uh, one coaching tip I always give people, and this is a great tactic and tip that people can use right away, is before you start working, answer this one simple question. How do I know if I had a productive day or not? And so before you start working, just try to see if you can answer that question. Because if you cannot answer that question, you'll end up working and doing a lot of busy work and doing a lot of things, but you won't feel satisfied at the end of the day because you don't feel like you had a productive day. But if we can figure out what the answer to that question is, which is, how do I know if I had a productive day? Then we know what to focus on. And once we start working on and we finish it, whether we finish by 10 a.m., by noon, by three o'clock, by five, if we finish it, we know we had a productive day. And that's a very satisfactory feeling, which then gives you more momentum to do it the next day and the day after. And you start to build the streak. And before you know, you had a really productive week. You do this for a few weeks and you had a really productive month. Uh, and you don't have to be perfect. If you do three out of five, that's great. Let's amp it up to do it four out of five. And over time, you're going to have five out of five, uh, assuming you work five days out of the week. Uh, which some of us don't really do. Some of us work seven out of seven. <laughs> and that's okay too. <laughs> Whatever that might be for you, uh, let's ante it up week by week. I love that because I do feel as though business is an unwinnable game. Like it's never ending. There is no such thing as a victory. There is because you might win a contract, but then you've got to deliver it and then you've got to win the next contract and then you've got to deliver it and then you've got to win the next contract. So in a way, there is no defined end which is difficult so if you can actually define the end of each day how do i know if i had a productive day you can start to actually have a winnable game to feel good which i love one watch out which i'd love to know how you uh, would deal with and i may or may not be talking from personal experience is how do i know if i have a productive day well i will have finished the book created the podcast, had 15,000 downloads. I will have marched 12,000 steps. I will have dieted, showered, done yoga, scratched, loved my wife, eaten amazing food. And I will have a list of 77 items that must happen every day for me to feel productive. Uh, how do you deal with that? Because like, some of us have unrealistic expectations of what can be achieved in day. I don't know if you've ever approached that before. Well, Alan, if you uh, wrote that down, I would say good luck. Uh, I'll, see you, I'll see you next year and uh, let me know how it went. <laughs> so I think you bring up a good question, which is, yeah, uh, a lot of us are very ambitious. And as CEOs, we have to be ambitious. We have to look at the positive side of things. We have to uh, think that we can accomplish more than uh, most people can and do more things than most people can. And so I love the enthusiasm. I love the fire. And also, um, I also want to be realistic and say, if you can focus for 60 minutes uninterrupted, that's a major win for most people. Uh, for me, the standard for, for my clients, if we can hit two hours of uninterrupted time to focus and do the things that we need to do, that's an extremely productive day. And out of a, let's say, eight to 10 hour workday, that might not sound like much, but if you start auditing your time, you'll start to notice very few people 
will have two hours to themselves every every day because there's always something coming up a distraction an interruption an email a last minute fire an emergency and we start to notice uh having two hours to ourselves is actually very challenging even one hour for most people and so there's not a lot of things we can do in one hour however we can make significant progress in one hour and that's why i always tell people when you answer that question, how do I know if I had a productive day, we can really limit it to just one particular outcome. And if we can hit that one particular outcome, then we know we can feel good about ourselves. Even if the rest of the day doesn't go as planned, if we hit that one thing, you can still feel satisfied that you had a productive day. And not all days are gonna be perfect, and I accept that all days are imperfect and life is imperfect. But if we can strive to do one thing every single day and sequentially add, more of those over time, you're significantly way ahead compared to everybody else. You seem so calm and so chilled. Like, are you naturally this calm and this chilled out? Do you do you ever get angry? What happened? Like, you seem so laid back. We'll just do the one thing every day. Everything will be cool. Like, is this your natural state? Have you always been this calm? Do you just plod through things? Because I, I think I might be a bit more up and down than you. Yes, I, uh, I've always been this calm. Uh, it's, it's hard to catch me being angry or yelling or anything out of the ordinary for me. Um, even if there's something like an emergency, uh, my first reaction is, okay, let me think about this. What do we need to do? Um, how do we make sure we don't panic? You know, How do we keep our heads on straight and focus on what needs to be resolved instead of pointing fingers or blame something because that's not productive at all. Uh, the productive thing is what's the solution to this? And how do we come up with one? And so, so where do you develop um, that way of thinking? Like that's not natural. You're not natural in the best possible way. That's not natural. How, where, how do you develop that kind of thinking? Cause that, that if we could all do that, we would make so much more progress. Yeah. I think it's a combination of different influences over the years, to be honest. Uh, part of it is like having specific role models in my life where I've seen that happen, both in my family. Uh, like the way we handle conflict in my family is very calm. Uh, I think so as a kid growing up and seeing that has been a big influence. Um, I've also had several mentors over the years where I see how they manage their teams and, and, and companies and how they uh, operate. And I, I feel really inspired by that. And so um, if there's another resource I would recommend that's more practical, I would say Patrick Lencioni. Uh, he's a great author. Um, he wrote several books and all of them are great. And they're all written in fables. So they're not very instructional, but if you read them, um, it gives you a sense of calm. And uh, one of my favorite books that he has is called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And it's really about how to build a highly skilled and productive team. Um, but he has other books as well about being a great leader and manager. And um, you start to notice that if you want to have a highly productive team, which I think is something every entrepreneur should really strive for, um, you have to be kind of like calm and collected and uh, you can't freak out because if you do, everyone else freaks out on your team. So we don't <laughs> want that to happen. So I think uh, there's a lot of different influences that help me with that. But if there's a practical resource, I would say Patrick Lencioni uh, has some great books that I would recommend. I love that. Thank you so much. Because I think what you just laid out in terms of how you think when there's something goes wrong and you think, okay, what do we do next? How do we respond to this? What's the solution? It's a fabulous way to think about it. But so many of us go down a different route where we go, okay, it's all gone wrong. <laughs> Panic. 
what do I do? Life's over. It's all failed. Uh, and then we have some real challenges with it. So I think that like that way of thinking and my business partner has a, an expression he likes to say is if you want to change your results, you have to change the way you think. And mm. that sounds so simple, but it's a lot harder said than done. How do we train our brain to think productively regularly? There's a couple of practical things we can do. Um, I think a lot of us are very triggered easily. Um, that allows us to kind of lose control. So a, a way to think about this, and this is something I never understood about meditation until much later, is when we think about meditation, we think about, okay, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit still and try to think about nothing and, and hopefully I'll feel better. But imagine if you're in a calm room you can't even control your thoughts in a calm room where nobody's interrupting you. There's literally nothing <laughs> happening. If you can't control your thoughts in a controlled manner, how do you expect yourself to control your thoughts and your actions when stuff is happening, when there is panic, when there is an emergency? If you can't do it in a calm room, there's just no chance of you doing it while you're running and operating a business or maybe you're in an office environment where things are happening all the time, right? And so we always go back to our level of training when we're in particular situations, right? So for example, I have never operated um, any particular martial arts or fighting skills or uh, guns or anything. So if I was ever involved in a bank robbery, you're, you, you, I'm like the last person you want to <laughs> have on your team to resolve this because I have no training on this whatsoever. You know, even though logically I might know what to do when I'm in that Flight or, fight or flight mode, there's just no way I'm going to uh, help you and be productive in that sense. However, if I've done a lot of training, then the fight or, even the fight or flight response might come up. I still know what to do and operate, right? And so going back to meditation, if we can control kind of like our thoughts and be in, in control of them and uh, do that effectively while nothing else is happening, our chances of success go, goes up quite a bit uh, when things are a little bit hectic and crazy at work. And so that's why I'm a big proponent of meditation because it, you're kind of training your mind to be calm and collected when, uh, when the situation will call for it. And so it's just like training like anything else. Um, and so if you find yourself easily get distracted or you make rash decision or irrational decisions very quickly, uh, meditation is a great habit to kind of like incorporate it into your life. I and mean, you can start off with two minutes a day. And for most people, that's already a challenge, uh, like it was for me. And gradually we can build that up to three, four, five, ten minutes a day. And uh, you'll you'll see you'll be a lot more calm and collected. I love that. I absolutely love that. One of the things that I've realized over the years to build on what you're saying is the habitual questions you ask yourself. And I think this is the training piece you're talking about. Most people ask themselves really bad questions habitually. So they're preparing for a meeting or a sales call and they'll ask, what could go wrong? Like That's going to lead to your brain creating a bunch of answers that are not going to help you be successful. And over the years, I've trained myself to ask better questions, such as, what could go right? How could I have more fun? Uh, what do I need to bring? What's the value I'm offering? And you ask those questions, your brain gives you a completely different answer. And it sounds like a similar thing, like in those moments of fire, the questions you habitually ask yourself will come out. 
and then that's going to either lead you positively or negatively. Yeah, I think when you're in a situation like anyone that's listening to this right now might say, okay, that sounds good in theory, but how do I actually do that? And the practical mm. application is oftentimes very challenging because logically we can all agree, say, yes, I need to give myself better questions because that will give me better outcomes, right? So if I go into a meeting, say, what, what are all the things that could go wrong? Uh, I'm going to start focusing on that, like you said. But if I go into the meeting saying, hey, what's the best possible outcome we can all aim for? Then there's a different way of us showing up to the meeting that will attract and, and radiate to everybody, everybody else that's there. And so how do, we, how do we discover those things and how do we figure that out? And I think that's where role models are just so important, having mentors uh, or role models in your life where you see that happening. So you actually see and your brain can recognize it and say, oh, this is a real thing. This is what's possible. And so paying for coaching or mentors or mentorship, I think, is very valuable. Um, that's one thing. Uh, but you can also see this in your personal life. You probably have friends and family members that have particular traits that you really admire. And so whenever you recognize that, think about like, okay, this is something I really admire about that person. Like, how do I add that to my life? And maybe you can ask them. Uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a professional. If someone is a great volunteer at a church, for example, and they always are very calm and collected when you know things are happening at, at your local church, uh, that person has a lot of things that you admire. Uh, why not learn from that person right, about that particular thing? And so role models, I think, is very key. But the other thing is uh, reading biographies, for example, or reading books where you see those traits uh, exemplified will kind of give you another angle and source of inspiration that you can take away from, especially if you're reading about books or biographies from people that you really admire. If you feel inspired by the way they act, you're more likely to follow through in that as well. So think about all the people that you admire. Uh, go find their book if they have one. Uh, and these can be people who aren't alive. They could be dead for many years already or passed away. Um, but also if they are alive, what what podcasts have they been on? What interviews have they given? And see how they uh, express their thoughts. And, and uh, if they have their own podcast, even better, right? So think about like, what, have, what has Alan done? Or what does he do? What does he say? How does he process things? And there's a lot of ways you can learn from that too. I love that. I love that. And Dan, you actually have a podcast yourself, don't you? The Productivity Show. Yeah, that's right. So I have a podcast called The Productivity Show. It's a weekly podcast. Uh, I've been doing it since 2016 now. So it's been over six wow. years now. And uh, yeah, it's the number one productivity podcast. And if you want more ways of finding ways to be more relaxed and calm like I am, if you listen every week, uh, hopefully that will transfer over <laughs> as well. <laughs> I love that. So two thoughts from me. The first is the people you surround yourself with are so important. And I think when I say that, most people think of the people that they physically surround themselves with, but it's also the people who you listen to on the bus, on the way into work, the podcast, the books, and nearly all of my mentors I've never met. I've read their books, I've listened to their podcasts, I've been on their courses, I've watched them live on stage, uh, but have yet to shake hands with them. And I think, like, you are a fabulous example of cool, calm, collective with great questions. And I think you couldn't think of someone better to hang out with for productivity. And I think if this is something you're working on in your business, 
then listen to the productivity show. If you're working on entrepreneurship and sales and want more energy and a little bit of like drive, then listen to my podcast and surround yourself with those people and those thoughts. And I really do believe it trains your brain after a while because you start to think, you know, what would Tan do in this situation? What would this person do in this situation? And you start to think a little bit like them and you borrow the thoughts. I think it makes such, such a difference, such a difference. I really like that question you just brought up because that's something I forgot to mention that I do quite often is if I'm in a particular challenging situation and I know someone who's very skilled in that particular area, I would ask myself, what would that person do in this situation? So you kind of put yourself away from the situation because you're so attached to it. So if you can kind of zoom out and see what would this other person do, uh, oftentimes you start to recognize that, oh, this is probably what they would do. And that might be the right answer for you in that situation, even if it's something that uh, something completely different than you would normally do. But if you can step away from it and kind of zoom out and say, okay, objectively, what would this person do or this other person do? Uh, maybe there's some overlap or uh, a, a solution in the right direction that we were seeking. So I, I really love that you brought that up. Yeah, it's one of my favorite questions. And I tend to like to pick examples that are a bit different to me. Uh, so I go, what would Tim Ferriss do? What would Tony Robbins do? And I go for these extreme examples that stretch my mind. Uh, and then I normally come up with a more reasonable answer because Tony Robbins would probably like dive in a plunge pool and then swim across a country and then like destroy everything. Uh, and Tim Ferriss would overanalyze it. But somewhere in the middle, I find an answer from both of those incredible influences that help me to come up with something that I would do. Before we get on to sort of the, the tips and tricks and what you would actually recommend to people, I do want to talk to you about to-do lists because I've had a mixed relationship with them over the years. Uh, sometimes they're amazing and I crack through them and I have fun and I feel really good about it. And sometimes it gets written down and just sits there. Like, where do you stand on to-do lists and the actual tools of productivity? Yeah, I've tried probably hundreds of different to-do list apps over the years. I've tried a lot of different <laughs> mediums, whether it's writing it on a piece of paper, writing it on a sticky notes, writing it on a whiteboard, not writing it down, just memorizing it, uh, using really complex tools like OmniFocus to something simpler like Trello or OneNote or just take a note-taking app. Like there's so many ways you can use a to-do list. Um, and if I had to boil it down, the ultimate answer I would give to people is they're helpful and they are tools. And I think it's something that if anyone wants to be more productive, they will probably use a to-do list. How you use it and what you use is really up to you. But I think everyone that I know that is very effective and productive usually has one. And the way I would recommend people use it is, again, before you start today, answer the question, how do I know if I had a productive day or not? If you can identify the answer to that question, make sure that answer is on your to-do list. And if it's not on your to-do list, chances are it won't get done. Or maybe it might roll over and that's okay, but at least you made progress on it, which is better than where you started off uh, at the beginning of the day. And so I always wanna make sure that people make a commitment before they start working, knowing what they need to do. And oftentimes writing it down, whether it's a piece of paper or writing it in their app is really helpful to have that first step 
of making that commitment. Because if we're committed to something, we're more likely to follow through, especially if we tell others that we're going to do this. So as part of our daily huddle in my company, uh, we have it every morning at 11 a.m., uh, everyone has to state on there what they are going to focus on for that day. Like, what's the one outcome that they're trying to aim to get done? And by stating it publicly, everyone knows like, okay, I'm, I'm able to count on this person to get this particular task done because I might need to rely on this person to get this task done so I can do the other thing that comes after this, right? So for example, one person might say, hey, I'm going to have this article done. So that the other person might say, okay, if you're done, then I can publish it and schedule it on social media. And now we have teamwork and, and accountability. And so by putting it out there in the public, um, it adds a little bit more level of uh, accountability, which I think is always a good idea. And so if to-do lists are private and maybe it's only you, that's fine too. But if you can make something more public or add some form of accountability, even telling your partner, uh, that is already a great first step uh, towards making sure you follow through on those. I love that. I absolutely love that. And uh, on this podcast, I don't know if you know, we have a coaching series and I take an entrepreneur that's building a business and we coach them over one to two years. And that then gets put into a 12 episode podcast series. So you can see the experience of an entrepreneur over that period. And at the end of the every episode, uh, I ask, so what are you going to commit to? Now's the time of the episode. And they're on the show committing to four to 5,000 people what they're going to do. <laughs> And uh, the follow-through rate on my coaching series is excellent. I'm not sure why. Uh <laughs> yeah, if we know that someone is going to check up on us, the chances of us doing it go up significantly versus if nobody knows, it's okay to skip it, right? So it's one of the reasons I have a personal trainer because I don't want to let my personal trainer down if I don't show up. Uh, there's also financial consequences to that as well. So the more level of accountability we can add to what we're doing, uh, the more successful you will likely be in what you're trying to accomplish. So I love that you do that because um, some people maybe you know find it a lot of pressure, uh, and I totally get that. But it is if you're if uh, <laughs> if you want to accomplish great things, you have to do some things that are uncomfortable, and I think this is one of those things. Yeah, one of my favorite expressions is uh, your success in life is directly proportionally related to the amount of uncomfortable moments you can get through. Uh, so we might as well just get on with it, get uncomfortable together. It's a bit weird when I say it like that, but you know what I mean. I love that. Uh, I, I'm going to copy that and, and use that in my coaching. <laughs> um, so look, let's get to the the tips and the tricks You've got four to 5,000 incredible entrepreneurs listening to the show. They're all working hard, making progress, inspired. They want to create something extraordinary. I, hit us with it. What do we need to do? We're listening. You have the floor. Hit us in a nice way or not. All right. So I will be nice and gentle as much as I can. So if we think about <laughs> our, t our T framework of time, energy, and attention, think about which one resonates most with you. And uh, that's probably the area you want to focus on most where you will have the biggest win. So is it lack of time that you're having right now, lack of energy, or are you feeling distracted? You know, you're working on the wrong thing, which is attention. Which one of these three things is the one thing that you feel like, okay, if I fix this, my time my, or energy or attention, 
uh, which one of these three, then focus on that first. So, so when it comes to time, the biggest win I can give people is start decluttering your calendar as much as possible. So are all the meetings that are on there, are they required? Are they necessary for you to be on there? Um, how do we create a schedule that's more realistic that we can actually follow through and, and show up for? And uh, what a lot of people underestimate is if you free up 30 minutes on your calendar, you'll probably free up double the amount of time than what you just removed. So if you free up 30 minutes, you probably free up an hour because let's say you have a 30 minute meeting. Guess what? You're going to have to prepare for the meeting. That might take anywhere between 10 to 15 minutes, whether it's reading a bunch of emails, looking up a bio from someone, right? There's a bit of prep work that goes into every meeting that you go on, just like any task that you have to work on. Likewise, once the meeting is done, there's also other things you have to do. Maybe there's certain things you have to write down, action items, follow up, um, other meeting notes that you have to kind of like updates. There's a lot of things that come after after as well. And maybe there's a commute involved in any of these things. And so by freeing up a 30-minute meeting, we oftentimes free up an hour. And that is extremely valuable because most of us want at least an extra hour a day. And so... Uh, the first thing I always recommend is free up your calendar by decluttering it. So that's the first thing. If you want more time, declutter your calendar first. When it comes to energy, which is the second piece for most people, is try to go to bed five minutes earlier every single day and aim to do this for about two weeks. So if you're going to bed at midnight wow. right now, go to bed tonight at 11.55. Tomorrow, go to bed at 11.50. Because if I just told you, hey, go to bed an hour earlier, Chances are you're going to lay in bed, you're going to be wide awake, there's nothing to, to do, so your mind is racing and it's very difficult to fall asleep and you're going to fall asleep around the same time you're going to go to bed anyway. And so that strategy oftentimes doesn't work, but I know, and I've seen this with so many people, if you get an extra hour of sleep, you just feel so much better, you feel more confident, you feel more energetic, your positive thinking goes up. Uh, there's just so many benefits to uh, having an extra hour of sleep. And so the strategy I would always tell my clients is go to bed five minutes earlier every single day. And you do this for about two weeks. And guess what? By the end of that, you'll have an extra hour of sleep. And by making those small changes uh, consistently over time, it's more realistic. And if you have an extra hour of sleep and you're decluttered your calendar for an hour uh, every single day, that's an extra uh, two hours that you kind of win back in your day. And that's extremely powerful as well. So those are Two things I would recommend, and also for attention, the number one thing is just answering that question before you start today is, how do I know if I had a productive day or not? If you can answer that question before you start today, I guarantee you, you will have way more productive days, which uh, is, is so powerful when you have that momentum on your side. And so the three things I recommend is those three. And if you do those things, which sound easy in theory, but take a little bit of uh, practice, uh, you'll see huge results. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm inspired. What great advice. Um, I know how important sleep is because actually when you're an entrepreneur, quite often it's not the time you put in, it's the energy you put into the time. And people work very long hours, but with very low energy. And you just don't get much done and it doesn't feel good for you or for the other people. So I love that. This has been a fabulous, fabulous episode. Thank you. Like, where do people find out more about you? Do they go to the productivity show? Do they go to AE? How do they find out more about you? Because I'm inspired. I want more. I want more of you in my life. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, That's not in a creepy way. Sorry about that. 
Well, if we're going to have to go through uncomfortable moments together, we might as well. So uh, the first resource I would recommend is our podcast called The Productivity Show. So you can find us anywhere. I also have a website called Asian Efficiency. So if you go to asianefficiency.com, you'll find a newsletter there. And uh, we have a weekly newsletter on productivity tips as well. So if you enjoyed it, I would love to see you out there as well. Perfect. Please do go check those out. I would love you to because I actually, I genuinely believe that the most important power for an entrepreneur is to get things done. And it's actually the difference that makes the difference. I meet so many people that have dreams and ideas, but they never get them done. And taking an idea, taking what you're building and actually doing it on a consistently daily basis is the thing that makes the difference. So if that's one thing you could work on, it will make such a difference to you. And I'm very excited. Uh, You're going to come back on the show and tell us how you built Asian Efficiency and the Productivity Show at some stage. Yeah, I'm going to give away all the things I've done to build this business over the last uh, 12 years now. So Uh, If you liked this episode today, uh, I'm going to give you kind of a behind the scenes look of how I approach building a business and running a business and finding customers and how we grew our revenue and that kind of stuff. So uh, it's kind of like stuff I normally never talk about because people know more about me about productivity, Uh, but I'm going to give away all the the secrets that you want to know. So happy to, to share. I love that. I'm very excited about that episode. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. You have been fabulous. Everyone out there, stop listening to us. Go make things happen. We've got businesses to build. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.